Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today. It's your host, Ken Stearns, and a beautiful day here in Las Vegas. It's my little uh, my little video there, the introduction. Uh, that's actually really now, it's almost two years ago that that audio was done, uh, where I was kind of trying to pontificating there in that, in, that, in that overdub about what I would find, what I would see on the journey across the U.S. And as I've said uh, on the podcast before, mental health was was really top top of the order. And it seems so many of the conversations involved uh, people's journeys with mental health from, you know, from either friends or family uh, themselves and just the, the struggle to get treatment, um, the struggle to pick up, you know, some of the personal crisis, crises or crisis that I saw. Like the hardest part uh, I saw was the struggle during some traumas that people went through. And the struggle to find resources or to not be alone, even amongst a sea of other people going through the same thing or similar, just still feeling alone. And then ultimately, how people pick up the pieces when everything's, you know, when everything goes quiet, you know, when the, when the machines go away, when everything else happens, when the, you know, when the firefighters go away, funerals are over, trauma's over, you know, you're sitting in that, you're sitting with yourself and what is that like? And so one of the, it's been one of the great stories is how, you know, how amazing and strong humans are. Uh, Holly's no stranger to, to those kind of tough moments. Um, we were laughing before, we were having a little giggle before because Holly didn't know she was going to be live on video, uh, which we, which we are. And uh, she's like a, a small panic attack, realizing hadn't even looked in the mirror since about 9 a.m. And uh you know, but hey, you've been through tougher stuff we, as we giggled. Um, yes. Holly, welcome to the show. Thank, thanks for being a guest. Well, thank you, Ken. G greatly appreciate the opportunity and all you do. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And, and thanks for, um, you know, I think thanks for being, coming on and being so vulnerable. Uh, I think, you know, there's, there's some tough, I think sharing personal journeys is pretty tough. And sharing, you know, personal journeys like yours even harder. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, who you are today and what your maybe we'll start here and we'll kind of peel back. Uh, what are you doing today? So I uh, I've been in the nonprofit um, sector for all of my uh, professional career and mm -hmm. uh, working with people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, about four years ago, four and a half years ago, I had a life-changing event um, that kind of took me from, threw me actually from one path onto another mm. path that was completely, yeah. um, completely foreign to me. Uh, so uh, my son um, served our country for nine years in the 82nd Airborne. He came home in 2018 after nine years and uh, started civilian life. And in six months, mm. Um, out of the blue, he was sick. We went to the the hospital and he had a brain tumor and he fought courageously, but lost his life um, in 126 days. So that whole, whole 
devastating, life-changing event um, kind of um, produced a, a very raw and emotional book um, that my first time author, um, to be honest, I, mm. I didn't even read books back in, um, until, um, and now um, I wrote a book. So I'm a first time <laughs> author and uh, yeah, somebody okay. who did not like, like books um, and uh, I wrote one and I, and I published it and it took me three long years, but it's all about the journey of my son and also um, how terrible brain cancer is, glioblastoma mm. and other brain cancers, and how um, how grief um, is not respected in society. <laughs> um, so, yeah, grief so. is not respected. Yeah, we are not really. I I interviewed. Um, I sat down with a, a death doula recently on the jar, and we talked about how death used, you know, what death used to be. And one of her experiences was she lost her son. And she said the thing that was terrible at the end, when she like the instant reflection was everything happened and they took him away. She lost control of the body instantly. Yes. And that was it. And everything after that was super technical. And there was no, there was no chance to say goodbye. Yes. That's exactly. It was this very weird clinical kind of very cut. Okay, boom, this is now. Well, this is what happens. And these people take over. Then these people. And she said they came in the room and they swooped up and he was gone. And I, and that was it. And then I saw him in the morgue. And then I saw him in the funeral home. And like when you were allowed to see. And she was describing what it used to be like. And more, way, way more holistic. Yes. Um, yes. We were by his side every day um, in the hospital. And um uh, certainly had a, a slew of incredible doctors and nurses mm -hmm. and, and uh, everything. But um, glioblastoma for, for people that aren't familiar with this brain cancer, it's the most common, most aggressive and least treatment resistant uh, brain tumor. And it's the leading cause. Brain tumors are the leading cause of cancer-related deaths in children and uh, adolescents and young adults ages 15 to 39. And so despite all of these, mm. um, these statistics that there's a million people living with a brain tumor today, um, we have come so very far in um, combating cancer over the last 40, 50 years and have done a remarkable yes. job um, at doing so where there's so many um, options for treatments on so many cancers that used to be just a death sentence, so to speak. Okay. And um, a lot of funding has been given to those cancers and they've, it's done wonderful. Um, unfortunately, brain cancer, uh, because it's only three or 4% of the population, uh, it has not received the funding. Um. Um, and, and so we have been left with uh, four FDA approved drugs, which are sometimes more harsh than the tumor itself. And yeah. we have um, underfunded this disease um, drastically. And we have incredible mm. medical uh, researchers and everybody trying to do what they can. But we absolutely need the funding that we have not received over the last 30 years. Mm. That is way overdue. Because my son had one treatment. That was it. Radiation. That's it strapped down to a board every day for five days, uh, five days a week, um, 40 minutes a day for six weeks and get radiation shot through his brain and his spine. That was the oh. only treatment other than the surgery to remove the tumor. So when I mean, you think about how barbaric that is and we're, it, yeah, that's the word barbaric. And when you're yeah. describing it, like 
that's yeah. that's not that far away from yes. uh, lobotomies. Yes. Yes. I mean, and when I say strapped down, of course, you know, we have professionals there and all of that. But the bottom line is, is you're you're <laughs> strapped down and you're going to at the end. You're and, still no matter how yeah. polite they are, you're still being yeah, strapped medicated. Down. You are. And, and that's the only that was the only option that my son had. And um, that's totally mm. unacceptable. It's it's yeah. Yeah. It, it rages in within me and so many other people that I've met on this journey that have watched their their husbands, wives and, and sisters, brothers, my, my mm. wonderful daughter had to watch her, her brother and only sibling go through this. Um, yeah. It was, it's, it's so traumatic and it's so unfair. And um, so that's, so my advocacy work has, you know, I pivoted from my CEO <laughs> hat to um, advocacy work and, and that's where I'm going to remain. That's, that's my purpose. My pain has purpose. Yeah. And my purpose is now to not only try to move the needle forward in, in a fight for a cure for this horrible disease, but also to bring the attention of mental health and grief that happens when you lose somebody so important mm. in your life. And um, so I talk about grief a lot too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, and that's the, now that's the mission, right? I mean, the cancer part, you can raise money, but you can't, you can't do much more than that, right? You can't cure it. You're not a doctor. You're not the researcher. You can find the money. Um, yeah. But helping other people, other moms, other dads, other kids, siblings. Yeah. Um, what was, you know, before the grief comes, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got the diagnosis and everything else. This is like you said, it's largely a death sentence. Um, and then it's a matter of the grace, you know, hopefully you, you make it a miracle, you know, through the radiation. Um but how do people, how do the doctors, how does the system prepare you for that? Is there any, this should be something, I mean, seemingly this should be kind of a hand in glove kind of yeah. approach, right? You've got to treat the person, the family, you have to treat also the, you've got to treat the, let's say our minds, our ability to, to manage what's going to happen and what you're going to go through. Yeah, th that's all great points. And it depends on where you are and what you have access to, right? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so Derek serving nine years in the Army with insurance. We And we're 30 minutes mm. from the Preston Robert Tisch Brain Tumor Center here at Duke in uh, Durham, North Carolina. So we have the best of the best. Um, and insurance. Um, but depending on where people are, we don't have hospitals that have these these incredible um, doctors, neurologists, oncologists that neurology uh, that specialize mm. in brain tumors. And so people are either their insurance, they don't have the insurance for it or they don't mm -hmm. have the the means to do it to to get you know to travel from one state to another. Oh, yeah to get the treatments because when, when you are diagnosed with, with brain tumor, I mean, it, it takes, it takes your, yourself out of you. Um, uh, most times people lose their bodily functions, their ability to communicate, their community, to, their ability to walk, talk. And so, and you have to have a caregiver, um, the family falls apart. Uh, it, it's just so many one story after no, and, and, and it and it comes so fast. It just like overnight. One minute you're fine, and the next That's, minute 
you're thrown yeah. onto this cat and you don't have time to think about it. You can't think because it's in your brain. Uh, so you're not planning, you're not going home and say, oh yeah, I've got this cancer and what are we going to do? And, you know, I think I'm going to take that trip or I'm going to, um, you know, plan this or yes, let's go with this treatment. That You, you don't have that, that time. Interesting. It's in your, yeah. It's in your brain and it's, it's ultimately, you know, if it's glioblastoma, um, the median survival rate is eight months from diagnosis to death. I mean, for, for a long-term survivor of six, five years, it's like 6.9%. So, you know, when you have Oof. it, it goes fast, like a, fish, a freight train. And it's just so like, it's something that you just, you just can't, fully explain it. In my book, I explain it very good. Um, 120 yeah, have- <laughs> days, the, the unthinkable journey. So I, I explain a lot in that book about that, um, what happens and, and all of that in our story. And of course, um, you know, resources for people that find themselves on this unthinkable journey. So yeah, what, how about the mental health side? How, you know, do they have any resource like for family members, especially like yourself, you know, you've got, you've got a mother, maybe, you know, maybe you got a mother, a father, brothers and sisters, people coming, you know, what kind of, what kind of yeah. advice or help do they have any, anybody come by? Even the, yeah. I mean, it used to be the chaplain, at least they had a chaplain coming by. <laughs> you got anybody over there? <laughs> yeah. What, what does will. that look like? Yeah. Well, it looks different, but it, it's a very lonely place to be. Um, you know, when, when something like this happens, people don't know what to say um, and, and yes. they don't know how to help. I have a chapter in my book that specifically says what you should and should not say. Um, uh, but the I think the, the bigger piece is that we all grieve individually. And so we all mm. have a different path that we choose to take. For me, and I can talk, you know, personally for me, um, I had to get myself to an, a grief expert, a grief counselor. And um, for people that um, maybe cannot afford that or don't have the insurance, right. there's wonderful hospice centers in people's areas that offer free counseling and that's part of their mission, um, mm. all of that. There's the Compassionate Friends. They have um, groups around the world um, where you can find uh, free support groups for parents that have lost children. Uh, you can find local support groups. I found a grief counselor who had 40 years experience in this field. Thank God, because I wow. had everything I had, you know, from uh, the the trauma of watching that all happen to my son and um, and to my daughter and and to, you know, my husband and just the 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 aftermath of it all. Everybody goes right. back to work as the life goes on and you are just you know, I'm laying in the bed figuring how am I going to get out of this bed and how am I going to live, you know, uh, with a broken heart, people, people die of a broken heart. And I, I understand that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So through a lot of, um, support from my husband and, uh, friends, I was able to, finally um crawl out of the barrel and uh find myself a grief counselor who 
I still see four and a half years later, Mitzi, God love her. She's, she's my life preserver. And she helped me through a lot of the PTSD and things like that, mm. that come with the trauma of, of experiencing something like that. So, and you know what? I haven't cried in such a long time. <laughs> so I apologize. That's okay. Well, they, uh, no, no need to apologize. I, I think that's pretty normal human. I think it's a normal human reaction. Yeah, um, but I, I, I mean, you almost got, you almost, you got me, you got me even a bit tight chest. Um, I, yeah, because like there is, and I don't know if people really can appreciate this. Just I'm, I'm imagining the PTSD is real because you are seeing just the treatment and then the body, you know, a Marine, right. I'm, I'm, I'm the soldier wasting yeah. away. That is a mother. How yeah. do you get your head around that? Yeah, I mean, he was jumping out of airplanes and six months later, he's in a hospital in diapers and he can't move and he, you know, he's got a feeding tube and trying to get Ooh. through the radiation and yeah, and, and you watch him go from this strong soldier to, to, to skin and bones and, and then there I was taking him to hospice in the back of the ambulance mm. where I watched him take his last breath seven days later. So, I mean, this is a cruel, cruel disease and, and it's, it's a terrible one. Um, but, but back to, you know, dealing with, with the grief, um, mm -hmm. you know, that is, that is something that's really hard as, as a CEO for nonprofits. And, you know, I, I think nonprofits, we're able to wrap our arms around people a little bit better than maybe corporate yes. America. But still, I look at all of the policies where I've ever worked, including my own policies and, you know, three, four days bereavement. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> three, four, are you serious? And people do this all throughout the country. They have to get their ass back out into the world to get a paycheck so they can pay their insurance or put food on the table and they are completely annihilated and yet we don't have these types of benefits for people griever like us, us grievers that have really um suffered just the uh, the unbelievable you know loss of somebody they love um uh, for myself my son and um you know i i tried to go back to work but i i was not the hundred and ten percent I needed to be every day because I was yeah I was broken and so I I was fortunate I was able to step away and and take time for myself and my my daughter and my family but so many people don't have that opportunity and yeah. so I think that grief and when sure. I say that doesn't get respect in society I think people need to go back and look at their policies and and see how they can really support their employees that when when something like this happens and they lose that that someone that mm. they love so much that they need more than three days <laughs> that is you know I've, I've, I'm just even seeing those like the words in in the policy books i've seen right like oh, yeah? i'm just visualing you know visualizing that part of the policy and yeah and it's there it is black and white yeah yeah three yeah, to four days yeah three to four days and then you just gotta you know well, you're, get your you're ass back, you're back, in back, here back to <laughs> yeah everything's back yeah. to normal right yeah yeah so i think you know that's part of it and another part of the the grief is I, I heard this and discussed in one of my support groups that I went to early on where 
Um, someone was explaining that they felt like they were in this invisible wheelchair and they're propelling themselves through life and no, everybody, nobody sees them in this wheelchair. They don't open the door. They don't smile and, you know, help you through or anything like that because they don't see it. People don't see, they see, see the grief. Yeah. They don't see the grief. It's invisible huh. and, it, it, and it's in it and it's, it can be deadly. Um, and so, you know, I kind of feel like that, you know, I, I feel um, like nothing is like simple anymore. And, and what I mean by that, and I know, because, you know, there are moments of joy that I have now that four and a half years ago, I thought I would never feel, I would mm. never crank up that song on the radio <laughs> ever again and sing, or, you know, I would four and a half years ago, I, you know, I could, I would not think that I could do that. Mm. Um, and I feel that, um, you know, I feel like I'm able to, um, you know, express myself more and talk more about Derek, although people shy away from that because they don't want to yeah. get me upset. They don't want me to cry. But when you don't talk about your loved one, it's it's kind of like you're just dismissing them altogether. So I um you know, I, I encourage people to talk about Derek when they're with me and, and to say his name out loud. Um, you know, I, I just, I think those are, um, those are important, but when I go back to the nothing is simple, what I mean by that is I, you know, the holidays come, the seasons are changing, the calendar changing. And it's another reminder that Derek's not here. He's not with me. Um, and so I see weddings and I'm very happy to go to a wedding and seeing people happy. And then I'm sad because they're mm -hmm. getting married and Derek, I'll never see him get married. They're having children. I will never see that little boy's, you know, his eyes in, in, a, in a little, in a little girl or boy. I'll never see that. You know, there's, the birthdays, they're great birthdays, and I'm happy to celebrate birthdays. And then I'm sad because I'm not celebrating my son's birthday. So it's this, it's this mm. love and grief, joy and sadness. And it, it, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's, I'm not an expert, but that's for me. It, that's how that's how it is. And uh, working with my grief counselor for a long four and a half years, have you know come to to try to yeah. You know, I mean that's a really breaks it down quite well. Like you said, you have a, you see a wedding and you're happy, and, you're, and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get, it's really it, it's exhausting sometimes. <laughs> um, but you know, I you know I move forward. I, I try to just um, stay in the moment. But you know, I have my moments. Like today, I just spent all day mm. yesterday with the National Brain Tumor Society talking with our Congress about needing more medical research funding for brain cancer, right? I spent, talked to four different, told my story, did not cry one time, <laughs> did not even come close to crying one time. Yeah, it's bit, it's bit, you're chasing the money, it's business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, but uh, yeah, so, but, you know, I have my moments and, and right. I, I have to, I have to be okay like with that. I went to a Hallmark store. I put, I guess I put that in my book. Maybe it's my next book, but I went to a Hallmark store to buy, buy a card for somebody. And there was, you know, happy birthday son. And I lost it. And I just threw down the card and walked out. It just, it happens. <laughs> I've left food in the grocery store. Um, my son was, you know, he loved 
candy. So you know, at 27 years old. I mean, he was he loved candy, any kind of candy, Skittles. I mean, Reese's Cup, you name it. I mean, every kind of candy, he loved candy. And I'd go down the aisle and see the candy, and I'd just have a meltdown, and I'd have to leave. You know, it's just... It just, it just happens. You know, he loved Halloween. Halloween's coming up. I mean, the kid decorated his car, um, you know, with a big black spider on there. And, and oh yeah, he is a goofball. <laughs> he loved, I mean, he just loved life. And um, yeah, so these, these triggers, these happenings that, that come, um, I have to remind people sometimes because, you know, all those four and a half years, you know, people, you know, move on, but um, I move forward, but never move on. Just move forward. Yeah, I don't. That's part of your. I mean, that's part of your life. Can't can't erase that. And like you said, it it lives on, and you get reminded of it every day. Yeah, like all day. Yeah, I'm sure all, all day. day. There's there's memories. There's yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and so there's no hiding from that. Um, no hiding. Right. Right. Yeah, you can't hide from it. You can't bury it. You've got to embrace it. Yeah. I, I think what you're doing with the, with the, the charity is great, you know, to try to raise more money, to try to, to be part of the solution and, yes. and not, and not wallow in, in the, what's me, you know, the why me. Um, yeah. I went to I mean, the why me. <laughs> I, I'm sure you yeah. swam in that pool. I would swim in that pool. That's a nice pool. I'd want to swim in that. That's a comfort pool. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you know, eventually you got to get out of that water. You're right. And and putting my pain to purpose and Angels Among Us yeah. is with the Duke, um, you know, Preston Robert Tooth, um, Preston Robert Tish Brain Tumor Center. And, um, you know, they raise several million dollars a year. All of their funding goes right to medical research to produce clinical Love trials it. and treatments. So all of it goes there. And so, you know, we have a team. It's D-Rex Defenders. Um, you can walk, you can run. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And D-Rex, it came from Derek's music name Derek was a self-taught musician and he his he oh. was going to go to he was going to take his $30,000 GI bill and go to college in Atlanta to um further develop his mu music skills and and that was his love and so that's how we became D-Rex Defenders <laughs> so <laughs> so people can google that D-Rex D-Rex Defenders yes and yes. find and find out more okay cuz we've yeah. got the We've we've got the um, the website up for the for the nonprofit, um, but you can also just just Google D Dash Rex Def Rex Defenders. Yes. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't wallow in it. You've got to put some purpose behind it, uh, which seems like what you're doing now. What's next for you? Is this you're more of the act more of the active not say activist stuff, but but really pushing more. Is it, are you kind of finding, you know, this is a weird, a weird thing, Holly, everybody's experience somehow is what's part of the crisis response or, you know, like where, how do you purpose it? Right. So you're a badass CEO, you got all this nonprofit experience and now you've got this super, you've got a super driven passion. Uh, you're a dangerous person. You're a dangerous animal. Where, where are you going to? Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be pointed? So I'm not in that general direction. What's <laughs> you know? What I mean, fun. what's next for you? Yeah. Well, you know, my um, I was going to uh, start my own nonprofit. So that was I kind of okay. pivoted from 
uh, full-time work to consulting work uh, so yeah. I could focus more time and work with an executive coach. And six weeks into that, I said, no, I, I'm okay. not going to do a nonprofit. And the reason for that is because I know what goes into nonprofits. Go, and yeah, it's, it, yeah. And don't, you have yeah, to, don't do yeah, that. <laughs> you have to build the plane, fuel the plane, fly the plane, and then you have to have a succession plan <laughs> and all that other stuff. Right. And I'm almost 61 years old. So I'm like, I, you know, I need to, and I think for me, in, in my stage of my grief in my stage where I am now yes. is that I can yeah. take that, those skills, those leadership skills and other yes. skills that I have along with my, yes. my attitude of, I want to kill brain cancer and, yeah. and, you know, lobby, you know, lobby at this, you know, local state and federal levels, try to change policy, try to remove barriers, try to get more, clinical trials and treatments, funding for those things to give people real hope instead of a death mm -hmm. sentence. You know, those are the things where I feel like I just, um, I feel like I will spend my time um, better doing those yes. sorts of things and advocating with the National Brain Tumor Society and the American Brain Tumor Association. Yeah. Yeah. I, my observation is, is I, I do think it is a, uh, it's a beautiful thing and it's but it is kind of reactionary when people do create a foundation right away from from a lost from a loss um, because there are a lot of other nonprofits that probably exist that can do something close to it and you can do something in somebody's name yes and there and it's build the plane fly the plane repair the plane buy the plane you know that is a, a full-time that it's not even a full-time job. It's a many person full-time job. And the first, you know, first $200,000 you make is going to go towards stuff and not really towards, you know, what you want it to go towards. I think you did the right thing. Well, thanks. I, I know that, you know, for some people, especially, you know, I think if I was 20 years younger, I would have took it on like, yeah. And, and, and it, had a different, yeah, told different. Yes. And, and, and there, different. you're right there. You're so right. Cause there are other foundations that I found that I support where the money goes right to Duke, to their brain tumor center, um, Perfect. you know, for medical. Yeah. So I'm supporting them. I'm working, you know, with them, um, and, and trying to just find my way, you know, I'm still on this mm. unthinkable journey and I'm still, I think I'll be forever finding my way. Um, but I, I do know that, um, I'm, I'm in a whole different place than I was four and a half years ago where, you know, I didn't know how I was going to survive. Uh, I really mm. didn't. Um, and, and so here I am. And, you know, yesterday talking to Congress about, <laughs> about billions of dollars you know, and money. <laughs> we need, so. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, just whatever shakes out of that big bag that they're, you know, schlepping over there to Ukraine, you know, can you just a couple dollars fall out? Like, I mean, a, just take some of those trillion, like, I don't know, it's almost a trillion dollars we've sent over there now. Yeah. You know, can we a just, just a couple, couple bucks left, you know, is there something that shakes out of the bottom? There must be a lot of shake at the bottom of that bag. <laughs> yeah, I um, really, I really do hope that, you know, we can get more funding because it's yeah. absolutely necessary. It, it is. A, and I think this is, you're in the right, you're in your wheelhouse. Like I said, you got all that experience as a CEO. You've been on the nonprofit side. You understand a lot of how things work. Um, yeah, you're in the right. You're in the right space. Um, just, I had a again epiphany, or I don't know, not an epiphany, but I had a a thought. Uh, 
it's time for a new season. You can close, you got to close your other season yep. of unthinkable journey. It's a, unless you, unless you, your next book is going to be some play on those words, but it's the pain to purpose thing. Yes. You've got, you've got, you're in the pain space is what your book is in the, is the description is the pain part. Mm-hmm. So you either need a new book or change your season. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, my book, yeah, my next book would not be like my first book. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. It's going to be, but I mean, it's, you got to start working on that now, which is, you know, what, so I went through this incredible, like this journey. Now the next book is, what have I done with that? What did I learn? You know what I mean? Like you got to have the, the yin. Yeah. You have to have the yang to the yin. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I like that. I'm going to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I got to change my season. You're in that (laughs) spot now. You're in the spot. It's time to change your season into, you know, the warrior, you know, now you're the, now you're more the killer, the warrior. Um, You're not walking through the village. Yeah. You're not walking through the burned out village, you know, looking at all the, at all the carnage. Right. Right. You got, like you said, you got, you got the sword and you're out there slaying the dragons now. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Thanks for sharing your, your journey, Holly. It's, um, it's a, this is a tough, these are tough. I, you know, for me, it, like it's an interviewer, these are hard because it's the, it's, it's a parent. It's hard to imagine what another parent goes through and, you know, your courage to, 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 to be here. Right. You know, I need you tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow I need you. I'm, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're here. I, I love this shirt. This guy was, such, he's such a man, Marcel. He was such a powerful energy and uh, also courage i mean losing someone to suicide also t- a different yeah. kind of tough yeah it, a different kind all, of tough yeah. but it's it's, it's different bite of the same shit sandwich that's for yes. sure though <laughs> yes. I mean, you're both sharing, you're both sharing a shit sandwich you're, uh, just a different side of it that's right and it, like, and, and it tastes like shit yeah and it tastes like yeah pretty much and you can kind of still taste it, I think, forever. Oh, yeah. Forever. You'll yeah. you're forever a little bit. Yeah. Um, thanks again, Holly, for being a guest and for being so vulnerable. And and I think um, yeah, I think this will be a a good listen for a lot of people. Good heart warmer. Oh, well, thank you, Ken, very much. Yeah. Like your headset, everything looked good. You sounded great. We got through it. I'll see you in 30 seconds. Hang around. I'll see I'll see you okay. on the other side. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening and supporting mental health, especially a big shout out to all uh, everybody not watching, but uh, listening on uh, different podcast platforms. Just give us a rating when, uh, you know, when we finish and drop down below and write some nice words and uh, give us some stars. And then most important, find some great way to share. Thanks again, Holly. Thanks, everybody. See you in a minute. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're going to go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it, it changes all the time. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change.